0: So once again, here we are gathering for worship, and although we are far apart, and maybe need to remain so for a short time, we are together in spirit. So I hope you'll join with me as we worship God together in this virtual way. This podcast will be presented every Thursday, as long as we are all cooped up in the house, and I hope you'll find some value in it. And that will help to raise your spirits in these difficult times. Let's worship God together. In the beauty of holiness, we see you, son of righteousness, so we bring all that we possess. In the place where your glory shines, Jesus, lover of humankind, you have drawn us with love sublime to make us complete. So I pause at your gates once more as my heart and my spirit soar. There ever a song to sing that could ever express, my king, the work that you've done. Could I ever conceive of this all the depths and the heights and breadth of the riches I now possess? Because of I pause at your gates once more, as my heart and my spirit soar, and I wish I could love you more, my God and my kingdom. So I pause at your gates once more, as my heart and my spirit soar. So I pause at your gates once more, as my heart and my spirit soar, and I wish I could love you more, my God and my King. The Old Testament reading today is from the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. And it's probably pretty familiar to most of you. It's a story about the dry bones in the desert. And although it's most likely an allegory, um, a story that is supposed to derive other kinds of morals, it is a wonderful image. Dry bones spread all upon the desert, and Ezekiel is turned loose by the voice of God to go among those dry bones and raise them up. To preach to them, to prophesy to them. And when he does so, the dry bones come together and bone upon bone and sinew and muscle and flesh until the bones become a living, breathing creature from the breath of God. It's Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but There was no breath in them. Then God said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as God commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then God said to me, Mortal, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. Thus says the Lord. I suppose our hymn today could be Them Bones, Them Bones Gonna Rise Again by James Weldon Johnson and recorded by the Delta Rhythm Boys back in the 40s, but Instead of doing that song, we're going to do a hymn that we might all be able to sing together. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me all along my pilgrim journey lord i want jesus to walk with me in my trial I want Jesus Okay, so the New Testament reading is from the Gospel of John. It's the 11th chapter, first 45 verses. Again, it's pretty long, so you might want to settle back and enjoy the whole story because it's the story of the resurrection of Jesus' friend, arguably one of his best friends, a man named Lazarus, whose sisters, Mary and Martha, he had stayed with often as he traveled towards Jerusalem. They lived in the village of Bethany, which is just outside Jerusalem, and when Jesus traveled for some of the major festivals, he used to stay with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were indeed his best friends. So here's the Gospel of John and what happened when Lazarus died. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, After having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Well, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. So when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, That you sent me. When Jesus had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them all, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Our two stories from the Bible today are about resurrection. The first one is an allegory, a story with a hidden meaning, although the meaning is not all that hidden because the text itself tells us what the meaning of the allegory really is. Ezekiel is led into the desert where he is confronted with a whole bunch of dry bones who have been laying there for a long time, parched, white, bleached in the sun. And God says, preach to the bones. And when he preaches to the bones, Ezekiel, the bones begin to rattle together. I love that term, they rattle together. And they join together to form skeletons, and then the skeletons get sinew that covers them in muscle, and then skin, and in a miraculous vision that's equal to anything that Steven Spielberg has ever put on celluloid. All the bones rattle together and are covered with skin and become living creatures. However, they still lack the breath of life, which God has to give them. So God tells Ezekiel, go ahead, call the breath. Call the breath from the four winds. And so the four winds bring the breath of God and breathes life into these rattling bones. And the bones become human flesh and live again. And then at the end of the passage... The allegory is explained. God says, these dry bones are like the people of God. He calls them Israel. The people of God thought they were dead. The people of God thought they were parched in the desert. The people of God thought they had no life. And yet, I can bring them back to life. The resurrection of the people of God. It's a general resurrection for the whole people of God. Now, in the New Testament reading in John, we have a very specific resurrection, one that is for one family, indeed one person in one family. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are, arguably, Jesus' best friends. He always stays there when he travels to Jerusalem. He is in love with this great family. And when he gets news that Lazarus is dying, he waits and when he finally goes, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. The sisters are being consoled by people from the city of Jerusalem, and they're just beside themselves with grief. So Jesus uses the occasion as a teaching moment, and he brings Lazarus back from the dead, a very specific resurrection. This resurrection is not about the people of God. It's about a person of God. The real difference between the allegory of the Old Testament and the event of the New Testament, is it moves from the general to the specific. The people of God are raised from the dead as dry bones in the desert, and a person of God gets a resurrection moment from Jesus himself. Now, I have often thought about resurrection as something a great deal more than just what might happen on the day we die. I know none of us have ever been to that place, but It seems to me that there are resurrection moments all around us. I experience them. I'm sure you do as well. Moments in which we rise above the life in which we live, that we are actually brought back from the ashes of whatever piece of life we have found ourselves fallen into. I have a lot of these, and as a pastor, I try to remind myself of them, especially in dark times. Right now, it's particularly difficult for pastors because the usual tools— in our toolbox to do ministry have been taken away from us. We usually go and sit with people who are in the hospital, but we can't do that now. We usually go and hold the hands or offer an embrace, a hug to people who are hurting. That physical contact is a very important part of what we do, but all those tools have been taken away from us. It's been interesting to listen to other pastors and to listen to my own feelings about not being able to do the ministry that I'm called to do. But when I get into moments like this, when it seems like I'm at a low ebb, I try to remind myself of resurrection moments that have happened in my life. I'd like to tell you about just one of them. It's kind of a sad story, but yet it is an uplifting story at the same time. I had a friend once, a very dear friend, who played music with me. She was... An activist. She believed in a lot of causes and she did more than just talk about those causes. She went to work for them. She worked for the Red Cross. She went overseas and helped people during crises situations. She was so beloved in her job that when she finally passed away, which all of us do, she found herself being honored at the Red Cross headquarters with a plaque and a light that lights up a Tiffany triptych that's there for all to see. But my recollection of this wonderful friend is a great deal more than a plaque on the wall, a great deal more than lights that flow through a Tiffany stained glass window. It is a moment near the end of her life. She and I had known each other for some time, as I said, playing music together. But we had not really known each other on a spiritual level. She was not really a churchgoer at all. She had been in my church to play music. She had traveled with us to other churches to play music, but really didn't have much conventional faith to speak of. But that was all right. She was my friend. And although we had talked about deep issues through the years, we hadn't really spent much time talking about her faith. Well, I want to paint the picture for you. She was in the hospital, and through her mother, her mother contacted me and asked that my friend might get a visit for me in her hospital room. Well, that's what I do, of course. So I went to the hospital and discovered that the cancer that she had, which would eventually take her life, was a cancer that caused her not to be able to speak. And she was a singer, and she was a musician. This was very difficult. So she had one of those magic slates next to her bed. You know those kind with Mickey Mouse characters on the top and you write on them with a little red plastic pen and then you peel them off and then you can write all over again. Well, she had one of those by the bedside and she used it to communicate to people when they came in. So I went in to visit her and uh, knelt down as I always do and held her hand and she wrote on her tablet, I am afraid. Well, I assumed that meant she was afraid of dying, so we began talking about that. And as we spoke to one another, mostly me speaking and her listening, she would write on her pad, I don't understand, I don't understand. So I would try to explain a little bit more, as best I knew. I mean, I can't say I have many answers, but I did try to teach her, or preach to her, if you will, or speak with her about what the Bible had to say about death and resurrection. And at the end of our time together, she wrote on her pad, I am ashamed to talk to God. And I said, why, why would you be ashamed to talk to God? God's already there to listen. And she wrote on her pad, I've never believed, and it doesn't seem right that I would tell God I believe now, just because I'm almost at the edge of death. I am ashamed to speak to God about my faith. Well, I told her the story about the parable in the Bible where the workers are hired. Some are hired in the morning and some are hired at noon and some are hired in the evening. And when they line up for their pay, they all get the same amount of money. And Christ tells the parable as a parable about life and everlasting life. It doesn't matter when you come to God. It doesn't matter when your faith springs forth. It doesn't matter at which moment in your life you actually begin to believe in God, you get paid the same. You get paid with a life of resurrection. So I explained the parable to her, and she wrote on her pad, Thank you, that makes sense. And she and I did something I don't do very often with people. We offered a prayer for her that she might use her faith to truly find God in her last days. I didn't think much more of it. I went back to visit her a few more times, and we didn't speak of it again. But many months later, I got a letter from her mother long after my friend had died. And her mother wrote me a kind thank you note, thanking me for going to visit her. And she said, something must have happened when you went there, because after that time of your visit, she was at peace. I don't know how else to explain it. She was at peace. I often remember that story. I often remember my friend and the note from her mother. Evidently, my friend didn't tell her mother what happened, and that's her right. And I never told the mother what happened because I wanted to honor my friend. But it's clear that her mother saw something in her daughter that she hadn't seen before, a real change, a real resurrection moment, if you will. I cherish that moment, I cherish this story, because in dark days like the ones we're going through now, where my toolbox seems all but empty and I have no way to really reach out to people with the normal kinds of ministries that I'd like to use, I remember that resurrection moment, and many others like it, and it lifts my spirits. It reminds me that there are moments of resurrection even in the darkest times. Right now we're in some pretty dark times, and my prayer for all of you is that you might remember or even experience anew a resurrection moment or two, something that might happen during this time. Maybe you'll spend more time with your family and something beautiful will arise out of those ashes. Maybe. You'll find an opportunity to help someone in your neighborhood or your community. You didn't even think about that before. Maybe you'll have a resurrection moment of your own. That's what I wish for you and what I wish for myself during these difficult times, a resurrection moment where the dry bones might come together and be brought back to life, where a moment in a tomb can open up and bring you forth into the light of day one more time. May we all have a resurrection moment or two during these dark days. Let's pray together. God, I don't pretend to understand any of this. I don't know why we're going through this suffering. I never understand suffering, but I do know that you're walking through it with us, and there is an opportunity for a resurrection moment here and there where Our dry bones might come together where we might walk out of the tomb and truly see the light of day again. You bring us resurrection moments. No matter what our faith might be, no matter what we say or actually believe, you can provide resurrection moments for us. And for that, we offer you our thanks. In the name of God, we pray. Amen. While our time together is over, we'll meet again next week. And in the meantime, I'll offer this benediction that you might take with you and have an opportunity to look for your own resurrection moments. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall soft upon your fields. And may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God will hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Amen. My friends, the service here is ended. May we go in peace. Amen.